Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And welcome to a very special edition of the Money Pit. Today we are celebrating pioneers of the DIY movement. We're talking about the folks at this old house. This season they've gone where no program has gone before. That is to Brooklyn, New York to renovate a beautiful historic brownstone. And they've allowed us to come along on this final day of filming. All right, now we don't have to tell you about this old house. You know it is the original home makeover show, and it has been on the air for 30 years. And it was the first show about houses from floorboards to shingles. And it really paved the way for me and Tom and all of those cable channels devoted to nothing but ours and your money pits. And here we are on the set of the current project. The renovation and production for this season's This Old House episodes has just about wrapped, and we're going to be here and talk to the cast. We'll talk to the crew and to the happy homeowners who have survived uh, about four or five months now of daily restoration. And we want to talk to you. So pick up the phone and give us a call with your old house question, especially today at 1-888-MONEYPIT, 888-666-3974. It's a Money Pit This Old House party, and the guests of honor are about to join us. But before we talk to the This Old House experts, here's a little background about this project. Now, the renovated brownstone we're in right now was turned from a rooming house into a three-unit home, and it is absolutely gorgeous. And as a matter of fact, this home is slated as a historic preservation home, so the crew has really paid attention to detail when it came to restoring some of these original details. So let's get started talking to the folks that made it all happen. Up well, first, the guy who walks us through each and every renovation on this old house. Welcome host, Kevin O'Connor. And Kevin, I have to say, this home looks absolutely amazing. It is a remarkable transformation for this 100-year-old brownstone. We could not be happy with the way it turned out. Just a few weeks ago, you and I spoke, and you were saying, I, I don't know how we're going to make it to the end. Is that something that you always feel? I am uh, I'm the doubting Thomas on the crew, <laughs> you know, probably because the guy who has the least experience in construction. I walk in here two weeks before the wrap party, and I shake my head and say, there's no way any human being could finish this project. And uh, in the six years that I've been doing it, the 12 projects that I've been on, I have improved wrong every time and once again they have proved me wrong we finished and may they always prove you wrong i hope so absolutely now this is uh, this old house's first ever project in new york city what was special about working in the big apple there are two things for me i grew up in new jersey so i spent a lot of time coming over to manhattan as a kid with my brothers and my dad and so i have a real affinity for this area the excitement the energy that comes um, from manhattan but in all of those years growing up and coming over to the big city, I had never gone the extra thousand yards to over Brooklyn. the bridge. Right. I'd been to the Bronx, to the ball games, all over Manhattan, never to Brooklyn. So this was our first trip for me to this borough. And there is a very distinct feel here in Brooklyn. There is a swagger almost a gunslinger's attitude of these guys, and I love it. They all work in Brooklyn. They'll only work in Brooklyn, and they know these buildings and this neighborhood inside and out. I mean, you've been doing the show, as you say, six years. What have been some of the more memorable or the most memorable or even the most exciting projects or renovations that you've tackled? Yeah, I mean, it's a long list because this is obviously a huge thrill for me. It's been a great ride. Um, you know, there are a couple highlights in my mind. This old house, because it's uh, got such a great reputation and people love the show, it gets us great access. So I can remember three years ago, we were down in Washington, D.C., and we were renovating an old tenement. And we tell lots of side stories in the city that we're working in. And in this particular occasion, we got 
got to tell the story about the Lincoln Memorial. Now, there's this sort of iconic, beautiful memorial, and you almost can't even get near it. It's so sacred. Well, it happened to be undergoing a renovation. And so I was invited to actually climb up onto the memorial. <laughs> and we were there now, with the preservation Normally artists. you get arrested for doing that. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. In, in fact, the park service guy who invited us there had no idea that we would get invited up onto it by the people who were restoring it. And his jaw dropped. Wow. And when we got off, he's like, I don't think people have been up on that memorial in 80 years. And they probably never will be again for another 100. And so that sort of thing really sticks with you, that you have that sort of access to a beautiful memorial like that. It was, it was a great time. That must have been pretty special. Can you give us a quick overview of this project? Sure. Uh, we're in a 110-year, 100-year-old brownstone, um, obviously in Brooklyn. It's a beautiful building form, you know, these row houses with this magnificent facade made from that brownstone. And it was probably a single family back in the day, uh, but sometime around the 40s or 50s, it was converted into a rooming house. And so it was chopped up. In fact, they put nine rental units into this beautiful building. That's amazing. It really is. I mean, there was one floor um, that had four units stuffed into it. Mm -hmm. So the building was mistreated and it sort of fell into disrepair. And the game plan for us is the homeowners had always dreamed about living in one of these buildings and they bought it um, just about a year ago. And so for the last six months, we have been converting it back sort of to its former glory. And the game plan is a rental unit downstairs on the garden apartment, a rental unit up on the top floor, and then our family will live in the middle. So they have beautiful private space but they also have what you really need um, in this day and age, and that's some income to afford the purchase of the property and the renovation that we're doing. So what was your favorite feature of this house, Kevin? Well, it's surprising to say that it's the plaster work. And I say that's surprising because we have such beautiful woodwork mm -hmm. and the details are everywhere. And we sort of all have been fawning over the woodwork. But there is an elegant piece of plaster um, molding up here between where the walls and the ceilings meet. With the curvature. Exactly. Right. This beautiful cove. And then it meets um, a very sharp, crisp, horizontal line. I've never seen it before. It's very elegant. And when you have these high ceilings, it's a wonderful detail. It's the one that really stuck out in my head. Mm -hmm. And considering that the parlor floor was completely gutted to nothing, all of that was done fresh and new. Yeah, I mean, we had a, a wonderful group of craftsmen who came in and they were able to replicate the plaster where they had to, um, making it new or repairing it. And then they also started to play with some of the forms that were in here. We had beautiful woodwork and fretwork, and they used those as a motif for the medallions and stuff. So you get the right craftsmen, you come to New York, you have sort of the great access to these guys, and we really took them for a walk and they did a beautiful job. And they certainly did. The house is fantastic. Congratulations on another great season of this old house. What's next? Uh, we'll be back in Boston. We'll be doing 26 episodes for next season, and we're in the process right now of trying to find just the right house. So we'll let you know as soon as we know. Kevin, let's get you to stick around for just a few minutes. We're going to ask you when we come back about the expense of an old house. Now, I know you used to be a finance guy, so why don't you get ready to answer that question in uh, just a couple of minutes. You're listening to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. And we are coming to you today from Brooklyn, New York, the site of the current This Old House renovation. Old houses are great. They're usually built very well, and they do stand the test of time. But there are some systems in the home that need to be updated, especially the electrical system. We'll have details on that next. Money Pit! I'm Norm Abram from This Old House. Need a little help making your old house look like the ones we make over on TV? Call Tom and Leslie right now at 1-888-MONEYPIT. 
making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And we are celebrating old houses today on the Money Pit in a very big way. We're on the set of the current This Old House renovation, a historic Brooklyn brownstone that's been completely made over. And we want to talk today also about your old house. So pick up the phone and give us a call. The number is 1-888-MONEYPIT. Now, host Kevin O'Connor is standing by. We'll be back with Kevin in just a minute. But first, we wanted to take a moment to talk about some common old house woes, one of which is wiring. And, man, do we get a lot of questions about this, Leslie. And in particular, knob and tube wiring. Now, that was first installed in the 30s. It pretty much was the first centrally wired system. And it could be pretty dangerous. Mm -hmm. And you know what? It's still really common today. So many people find it when they're uncovering a renovation in a house of this age. And knob and tube wiring is the most common type of old house wiring. Now, this wiring is easily identified since it's strung between ceramic knobs, which are then attached to the beams in your house. Now, the problem is it's potentially unsafe because the entire system is not grounded. And also, the insulation on the wires is made of rubber, which tends to deteriorate after many years. Now, if you have knob and tube wiring, it's best to have it replaced with a modern system. But you want to make sure the replacement includes both a new electrical panel and new house wiring. For more great tips like that, go to moneypit.com. There's a good article there called Preserving Your Old House that will fill you in. Now, this old house that we're in is just about done, and it's a 1904 brownstone here in Brooklyn that was a rooming house. It's been converted into a three-unit home by the fine and fantastic crew at this old house. Now, you can watch the transformation on your PBS station, so check your local listings for more information. And we're also taking your calls today, so the number here is 1-888-MONEYPIT, and we want to talk to you about your old house. Let's get back to talking with our host, Kevin O'Connor. Now, Kevin, you used to be a finance guy. You helped folks find mortgages. Let's talk about old homes as investments. Do you think old houses are always a good investment? Uh, I don't think they're always good investments. Um, you know, trying to make the decision on when a house is a good investment is probably, in my opinion, more of an art than it is a science. You can find a place that is beyond your means, beyond your resources, because they can suck you in. You can spend way too much money. So you've got to give a lot of things consideration. Can you get it done? Do you have the resource to complete it? Can you find the right people? And you have to make sure that you don't overbuild in the particular neighborhood you're in. However, for the most part, if you can pull it off, they can be wonderful investments because people love these buildings. And then when you bring them back, they really are things that people celebrate. Tackling a home improvement project, obviously big, overwhelming chore. How do you break it down, make it simple, make it effective, make it possible? I've been through uh, my own renovation with my wife, and it's now entering into year six, <laughs> <laughs> which is far too long. Um, and surviving that is the process of chopping it up into little pieces. You need to be able to get through it. And the way we did it, and the advice I give a lot of people is, Find a particular space, make that the work zone, and separate it from the rest of the house, especially if you're living in the space. Keep the dust, the noise, and the disruption localized so that when you are done painting or plastering, you can go back to a clean part of the house, have the glass of wine, enjoy the family, you know, lay your head down and rest. That's sort of my approach to getting through it. Good advice. Just don't have the wine before you use power tools. <laughs> Kevin O'Connor, thanks for stopping by the Money Pit. It's my pleasure to be here, guys. 
You are listening to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show, coming to you direct from Brooklyn, New York, where we're helping the team from this old house celebrate the completion of another big house project. If you're listening to the show and thinking, hey, I've got an old house question, well, pick up the phone right now and give us a call. The number is 1-888-MONEY-PIT. All right, now we're going to take a call from Jim out in Oregon, who's got a roofing question. What can we do for you? Thanks for taking my call. Um, my house is about 75 years old, and I have um, you know standard uh, asphalt shingles, I guess you call them. And uh, I had a couple problems, so I called my roofer, and he came and looked at it. And he says that not only do we have to take off the asphalt that's there, there's cedar shingles underneath it, and it's got to be taken all the way down to the rafters. And it's some major money. And I'm just wondering, do I have any other options, or you know, what do I do? I think what he's saying is that he needs a really big job right now, <laughs> and and you're the guy that's going to give it to him. Um, here's what I think. First of all, if you're going to be in this house indefinitely, I mean, this is the family homestead, and you're saying, what is the absolute best way to do this? We would, in fact, tell you to take off the asphalt shingles, and I'm guessing at 75, there's probably at least two layers there. Take off the cedar shingles, go right down to the rafters, and sheathe it with plywood sheathing, and then put an asphalt shingle roof over it. That is definitely the best way to do it. However, it's not the only way to do it. And by the way, because the original roof was cedar shingles, you don't have any kind of sheathing underneath. Um, If anything, you've got some uh, lath underneath that, which is spaced out about every 12 inches or so. So the best way to do this is to go down to that lath, add some plywood over that, and then uh, put another traditional modern roof over it. However, you don't have to do that, Jim. Uh, The other way to go is you could actually pull off just the asphalt shingles and then put a new layer of asphalt on top of the old... On top of the cedar shingles? On top of the cedar, basically treating the cedar um, as, the, as the sheathing. Uh, you know, in most older communities, they're going to let you do that. Not my favorite way to go, but it is a significant difference in expense. I mean, probably half of the cost. Another way to think about doing this is to maybe just do a, a section of the roof at a time and do it you know, the right way. So, you know, your roofer is giving you good advice, but it's not the only way to do it. So if I'm going to be here five or five, six years, the, the cheaper way might be a better route to go. If you're going to be here five or six years, there's going to be no way you're going to get the return on investment uh, uh, that it would take to strip that all the way down to the roof sheathing. I would definitely look for a less expensive way to go. You know, the, the, the third way to do this, by the way, is to consider a metal roof. Metal roofs can be installed on top of older existing roofs. There's no reason to take off the old roof. But now that's a roof that's going to last 50, you know, plus years, and the price is going to show that it's going to last for that duration. So you also need to consider then, am I going to stay long enough for this to be beneficial? But I think a metal roof, especially, you know, they're gorgeous today, and they look like anything and every type of roofing out there. I think you would probably see that return on investment when you go to sell the house. So there really are a couple of options. You can pull off just enough of the old roof to, to put a second layer of asphalt shingles on this or you could strip it all the way down, resheathe it, or you could go with a metal roof option. It really depends on how long you're going to stay and how much of an investment you're prepared to make. Now, have you ever wondered what it might be like being part of a major renovation and a television show all at the same time? We're going to find out right now with two of the happiest people in Brooklyn, New York. Joining us are Karen Shen and Kevin Costellers, the owners of this season's This Old House. Hi, guys. How you doing? Hi there. You must be thrilled that you're finally at the end of this gorgeous project. We are. We can't believe it. <laughs> I'm still in shock. It's been a whirlwind. <laughs> I don't know where I am. Shocked that it's finished or shocked that the whole thing was supervised by This Old House? 
everything. Both, yeah. All and how one. it looks. Yes. You know, it's and just how amazing. quickly it took and how much work, but, you know. This must have been uh, a homeowner's dream for you guys. How did you get selected to have your house featured on this old house? Well, we saw the call for entries for the first New York project on Brownstone, a really popular Brooklyn mm-hmm. real estate blog. And it was about two weeks. It was excellent timing. Two weeks after we closed on the house in June. That's perfect. So that day, we just got together some photos. We had a, a billion photos of the house. Shot an email over to, to the show, you know, with a little write-up. Yeah, but it, but it was on the day of the deadline. So that we had like... Yeah. How crazy. It was like two yeah, hours to it go. It was close. <laughs> it was like 10 o'clock at night. Right. Two weeks later, we heard from Jennifer, the assistant producer, and... Um, and the rest, as they say, is history. Now your house yeah. is done. You guys have survived the remodeling process. Some more? Yeah, a little bit of help along the way. Yeah, lots. You don't look too scarred up. <laughs> <laughs> The silence speaks volumes. <laughs> exactly. We're good. We're good. Yeah, you're good. You're good. Yeah, you're good for that. Well, congratulations. It's a beautiful house. And, Thank you uh, so much. It's just wonderful to see what you guys have been able to do. And, and the restoration that you've been able to accomplish with this house is fantastic. And the neighborhood is much better for it. Yeah. Thank you. So. Karen Thanks Shen, Kevin in. Costello, good luck. Thank you so much. Thank you. Congratulations. It's really fantastic. Thank you. Well, if you'd like to see what the excitement is all about, you can head on over to the This Old House website at thisoldhouse.com. Click on TV and then click on the current project, the New York City House. And also, I should mention that Karen's got a great blog there called Old House, My House, where she sort of takes us through the day-to-day that they went through to get this project done. You know what, and I just love her sense of humor, and they really followed the project fantastically, so you'll get a lot of great insights to what it must have been like working on such a major undertaking. All right, well, coming up, the makeover includes an outdoor space, including a patio and a small lawn that will be used as the kids' play area. We're going to talk to this old house landscape expert, Roger Cook, a little bit later, but first we're going to hear from the guy they're hailing as a hometown hero, local general contractor, Michael Streeman. Stick around. Pick up the telephone, fix up your home suite. Home for calling 888 Money Pit. The Money Pit is brought to you by Thermatrue Doors, the nation's leading manufacturer of fiberglass entry and patio door systems. You can count on Thermatrue for beautiful, reliable, and easy to install entry doors. To learn more, visit Thermatrue.com. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show, making good homes better. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti, and we are coming to you today from Brooklyn, New York, where the current season of This Old House is just wrapping up production on a unique project for them, a 1900s brownstone in Brooklyn, New York. And we're also taking this opportunity to talk about your old house. You know, they're built very well. They've got lots of charm. But don't make any weekend plans, as those of us with old homes know, and that does include both Leslie and myself. They need a little extra TLC. Yeah, and they also need upgrades every now and then. And most old houses don't have central cooling systems. Just ask me and my sweaty husband in the summertime. (laughs) No AC back at the turn of the last century, but they are usually large enough to make use of a large ventilation fan known as a whole house fan. And this is larger than an attic fan. It gets installed in the second floor ceiling and can pull a breeze through every single room in your house. Yeah, it's a great option. If you can't afford central air conditioning, a whole house fan is a great option alternative it costs a lot less of course usually about 500 bucks 
installed. Now, if you want some more old house tips, you can head on over to moneypit.com and search preserving your old house. And you can catch the current This Old House season on your local PBS station. Just check thisoldhouse.com for times in your local area. And one man that we met today is going to get a whole new set of fans. Not that folks in this area don't love him a heck of enough already. He's got 20 years of experience renovating brownstones here in Brooklyn, and he was the go-to guy for this job. Michael Streeman is the general contractor on the Brooklyn This Old House project. Michael, welcome to the show. Now, this must have been pretty exciting to be chosen to be the GC on a This Old House project. I mean, this show is many, many, many decades old now. How did it happen? I met the owner in a plumbing supply store on uh, on a Saturday. She came up to me and asked me if I was Michael Streeman, and I said yes. She said she had been trying to get a hold of me, and she wanted me to bid her project. Did you think maybe you were dealing with a stalker at that moment? <laughs> it was very strange. Yeah, it was. How, how different is a brownstone renovation from what you normally tackle? Brownstones, uh, I've been doing here for about uh, 23 years. They are they're different because there's common walls. Mm-hmm. Um, they're attached row houses. And you often have to deal with uh, problems relating to next-door neighbors as far as... Uh, Certain penetrations, dust, noise, vibrations. Are people generally pretty cooperative in the neighborhood, or, or do you have people that are really watching their, their clocks, and if you swing a hammer at a moment past the, the bewitched hour, well, the cops are at your door? <laughs> <laughs> or or he prefer not to say. <laughs> he's got a grin on that you know he's seen some angry neighbors. I've seen some angry ones, and yet uh, Brooklyn's a great place with uh, a lot of great people, and um, I generally get along with them. All right, let's talk about um, how you got started with this project. Uh, How difficult was it uh, to do a renovation of the scope while the show was being filmed at the same time? Uh, The time frame was very difficult. We had uh, four and a half months to complete uh, four stories and a cellar. How long would you normally get for that? This job would have been six six months, maybe seven. We did a huge amount of work on the infrastructure that wasn't initially in the um, contract. We're talking to Michael Streeman. He's the general contractor on uh, this edition of This Old House, just about ready to complete the house here in Brooklyn. Michael, uh, any renovation project you tackle always has some surprises. What was one big surprise in the process? Tell us about the staircase. I understand installing that was quite an adventure. Well, there's one of the surprises, yeah. Um, the owner bought a uh, old um, cast iron spiral staircase uh, online without um, consulting a architect or a contractor measuring. <laughs> Seemed like a good idea at the time. <laughs> One of those. We'll find a place for it. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, there was a scene where Norm asked me if it was going to fit, and I looked at him. I said, I hope so. As it turned out, it was three and a half inches shy of its mark, so we had to... Um, cut down the risers so that that the landing would be one step down from the finished floor. And that's how we accomplished that. Now, when you say cut down the risers, we're not talking about getting out the circular saw and giving it a whack, are we? No, no. These are are old cast iron uh, risers. They had to be done on a bandsaw one by one. Wow. Now, that's a great opportunity to use something that has a lot of history and a lot of beauty for its history and thankful to have all of that beauty due to its age. You're dealing with a brownstone that has so many unique details because the brownstone is 100 plus years old. How do you sort of maintain the integrity of moldings or woodwork? I mean, there's so much beautiful stuff in this house. Did things have to be replicated or were you able to repair and reuse? 
We do a little of both. Replication, you move walls, you're, you're missing you know, linear feet of this, that, and the other. It could be duplicated at, there are companies that do that. They have a uh, minimal setup charge. Uh, oftentimes they have to cut knives. To duplicate like a molding or to something. To duplicate a molding. So, you know, if you need 20 feet of molding, it becomes, um, it doesn't really become feasible financially to do it. So we did a lot of the replication. In fact, we did all the replication out at the shop using routers, jigs, table saws, and um, my guys did a wonderful job. And it looks fantastic. You had a big team working with you on this project. How was it to try to coordinate the contractors and the television crews all at the same time? I was trying to times. <laughs> That's his answer, folks. <laughs> I know, times. having worked in home makeover television for years, I could be a whiz at a project, and as soon as the camera comes on to me, I hit my thumb with a hammer. Did you have any of these things happen to you? Well, it's funny. The, uh, the first episode, we took down a, an old piece of fretwork. And uh, we all moved it, and we walked away off camera, and um, the fretwork leaned and started falling back. And uh, (laughs) David Voss, the director, did that on an outtake on the first episode. I was going to ask, were they still filming? (laughs) Oh, my God. I mean, if we lost that. I mean, everything was take it apart carefully, move it carefully, and then to have this thing come tumbling down. We caught it. We caught it, but... uh, just in time. You know, there are those folks listening to the show that think uh, these kinds of things never happen to the pros. The truth is they happen every day. <laughs> and in fact, uh, sometimes they happen in a much, much bigger and grander way, don't they? Yes, they do. But we were quite fortunate. Uh, the, the team that I'm working with here, great bunch of people. The subs are fantastic. Um, they are all professional. And um, they really all stepped up to the plate to make this happen in the short amount of time that we had. I mean, the schedule was really based on the mm-hmm. TV show at had nothing to do with reality. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Streeman, congratulations. What's next for you? Uh, my wife said I should, I should be another Norm Abrams, but I, I don't think so. There's only one Norm Abrams. He's great. <laughs> yeah, he's, a, he's, the, he's a rock star with a hammer. All right, Michael, thanks so much for stopping by. Thanks very much for having me. You know, you think of New York as a hustle and bustle type of place, and the idea of restoring old houses doesn't seem to fit in. But there's a whole community of brownstoners, as they're called, who are really into it. That's right. But the one thing that's very consistent about New York, not a lot of space either inside the house or out. So how do you give the illusion of space when you're talking about a postage stamp size yard? We're going to find out when we talk to the This Old House landscape expert, Roger Cook, next. You live in a money pit. The Money Pit is brought to you by Citrus Magic, the all-natural super strong air freshener, available in spray and solid form. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show, coming to you from the set of the current This Old House renovation, a Renaissance revival townhouse, circa 1904, located in the historic Prospect Heights area of Brooklyn. Now, brownstones, they are a great New York icon, but they are row houses, and the yards tend to be kind of tiny. And with three small children, the homeowners here were looking for a lawn area as a play space. And that leads to some very creative opportunities. Roger Cook is the This Old House landscape expert who took on this task. Welcome, Roger. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having us. So tell us, I mean, we're on the third floor, so we're looking out and over, and I'm looking at these other tiny yards. They all need a lot of work, and here's this pristine beauty with lovely sod. How was it to handle such a small space? Well, it's funny. You know, you do a big yard, you just 
paint with a big brush. Mm-hmm. You know, you paint a lot of lawn, a lot of plants. But when it comes down to an area like this, every square inch is important. So it takes right. a lot more planning and a lot more detail to do a yard like this. So how do you start? Do you do a, a, a sketch first? I mean, if you're a homeowner, you have a small space, you're trying to figure out where you begin. How do you try to figure out everything that you can fit into this space? How do you advise people get that plan started? Well, first of all, you have to consider what you want to use it for, how you're going to use mm-hmm. it. I always pick people's brains. Is it recreation? Is it sitting? Is it meditative? You know, what do you want to do out here? Then do they have children or is it just single people? The best thing to do, I tell everyone, is to make a plan. Get Mm -hmm. a piece of paper, draw it out to scale. You can even cut out little things to represent like a table or a patio and move Mm -hmm. them around because it doesn't cost you any money on paper. Once you get it right, then you start going into the details of building it. Paper's really light. Bricks are really heavy. (laughs) Paper's really cheap. Bricks are really expensive. Yeah. Now, we're dealing with a yard that's obviously surrounded by apartment buildings and other townhouses, and there are things that go up, up, and above. How do you deal with the light, the sun, the shade, the necessities to keep the yard alive? It cuts your palette of plants you can use. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we have certain plants that will exist in the shade, and that's what we have to look to here. And the other thing I do is I always take a cue of the neighboring yard or the neighborhood. You know, you can pick up what plants are doing good. Mm-hmm. When we look out the window here, we see there's some bamboo and some other birches and things that, are, that seem to be doing pretty well. So mm-hmm. that's a good clue to you how to pick some of the plant material. When's a good time to start planting that garden? I mean, how soon can you really get out there if the, if the soil is still, you know, pretty chilly and seeing a little frost? Is it, is it better to wait or how soon can you get going? You can get going on some of the hardscaping stuff. Okay. But the planting stuff has to wait until the soil is workable. If you work wet soil then you're going to compact it and you're going to make the condition worse for the plants. I have what I call the squish test. If you step on the soil and water comes out where mm-hmm. your footprint is, it's too wet to work the soil. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> the, the squish test. test. The Roger yeah. squish <laughs> test. Pretty technical, huh? <laughs> so the hardscaping was a big part of this project, Roger. Um, tell me uh, what the key components were. The key component here was a paver by Pine Hall, that, uh, a nice brick paver that Chelsea Garden, the guys put down in a herringbone pattern, mm-hmm. which I love that pattern. It's really classy. You know, it has a good look to it. Requires more cutting on the edge, right. though. Anytime you do a herringbone pattern, it requires more than a running blonde type of pattern. But the idea was to have not only kid space, but adult space, a place mm-hmm. where you could put a table, relax, have a glass of wine, uh, probably seat out here six or eight friends over. Oh, that's great put a barbecue in. I mean, it's just not only we need a place for the kids, but we like to have a place for the adults to play a little bit. (laughs) Absolutely. Are you finding, I mean, we've heard so much of this trend, staycation. Folks are staying at home. We're not spending as much money on vacations. Is this sort of a growing trend? Patios, entertaining space outside? It has been for a while now, and I think it's also part of the you can't move, you improve. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And the do-it-yourself aspect is going to be more prevalent with the economy the way it is now. Because if you can do a project yourself and you know if you do it right, down the road, five to ten years, when you do sell your house, it's going to add a lot of value to the house. Well, don't you think that working outside and improving these outdoor living spaces is really the least expensive way to remodel your house? I mean, it's inexpensive square footage that you're going to use three, four, five, six months of the year or more, depending on where you live. And the payoff over time. You know, and, and, and the thing I tell people is if you invest and do it right, as the plants grow, it's worth more. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's so critical to get the plants right along with the hardscaping. Fantastic. Roger Cook from This Old House, thanks for stopping by the Money Pit. Or I should say, thanks for allowing us to stop by your Money Pit today. (laughs) I hope you enjoy it. Thank you, Roger. You're welcome.
You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. And we want to hear from you today, especially if you are living in an older home. You know, they come with their own little quirks, don't they, Tom? Yes, they absolutely do. And we should know, because I think between your house and my house, there's about 200 years between us of old homes. Yeah, if not more. And it seems like there's always something going on with them. You know, as soon as we finished carpeting the staircase to get everything nice and quiet for our new addition to the family, the little guy, the steps then start squeaking like crazy. And it's the first three steps, which are, of course, right next to the baby's room. And I figured out, like, where on the corner I can step on this one step and where on the corner of the other step just to keep things quiet. And, of course, now that everything's finished, how do I fix it? Don't change a thing because uh, in just, uh, I don't know, 15 or 16 years, you're going to want to know when little Henry sneaks back in the house because <laughs> he won't be little Henry anymore. And that will be your alert system. Well, these old homes sure are worth all of that effort. Speaking of old homes, if you've got an old house question, head on over to moneypit.com. Click on Ask Tom and Leslie and send it to us. Let's jump into that email bag next. You live in a money pit. The Money Pit is brought to you by Thermatrue Doors, the nation's leading manufacturer of fiberglass entry and patio door systems. Did you know that adding a Thermatrue entryway can add as much as 24000 to what others think your home is worth? To learn more, visit Thermatrue.com. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And we are on the set of the current This Old House Project in Brooklyn, New York today. It's been completely transformed from a nine-unit rooming house to a family home with two separate rental units, and it looks great. Yeah, and now Tom and I know a thing or two about old houses, considering that Tom lives in a house that his grandfather built, and my house is just about 90 years old. And one of the things we can tell you is that each era of home construction has some advances and some duds to find out. If your home has any construction issues related to a certain time period, we've got a great article we put together that can answer those questions. It's online at moneypit.com, and it's simply called Home Improvements by the Number. Yeah, all you have to do is go to moneypit.com. You can search that title on our website. And while you're there, you can shoot us your email. If you don't feel like calling in or maybe you're feeling a little shy, you'll see an icon. It says Ask Time and Leslie. Click on that. Shoot us your email. And we're going to jump into those right now. We've got one here from Mary in Washington, D.C., who writes, I have an older house with steam heat and asbestos insulation on the pipe in the dirt basement. We really don't use this area that much, so I'm wondering if I really have to have the asbestos removed. Well, it's always a good idea to have the asbestos removed, but if you don't disturb it and you're not active in that area very much, Mary, there's no reason you can't leave it alone. Generally, if it's in good condition, and by that I mean it's not friable, it's not deteriorated, it's Mm -hmm. not falling off the pipes, it's not crumbling, exactly right, then it's probably okay to leave it alone. However, if you are going to remove it, it's got to be done professionally because asbestos fibers are extremely fine. They're actually finer than smoke, so if you can imagine how smoke floats around a room. That's how asbestos fibers float around the room. The room has to be sealed. It has to be depressurized as that stuff is taken off. And even when it's all gone, you have to re-insulate the pipes because steam heat needs insulated pipes to work. And if the pipes are not insulated, it's not going to work. So if it's an area that you don't use, pretty much unfinished dirt basement, only go down there once in a blue moon, it's probably okay. Any more activity than that or if the asbestos is in bad condition, I would say properly remove it and replace it. 
All right, now we've got one from Robert in Sacramento, California, who writes, I'm thinking about replacing my old wood double-hung windows, and my wife thinks we should install windows that are fixed on top. In other words, the top half of the window doesn't move, only the bottom does. Is there a reason that both windows need to operate? Funny question, because the answer is there used to be. Well, it used to be the, the air conditioning, essentially. Right. One would bring the air in, and one would move it out. Exactly. You would take the top sash, move it halfway down, take the bottom sash, move it halfway up, Warm air would go out the top of the window, cooler air would come down the bottom of the window, and that was old house air conditioning. That's the way it was always done, and that's why double-hung windows were always designed that way. Um, since we have central air conditioning now, thankfully, no, it's not that necessary that you have both sashes operate. If you like the window with the fixed upper sash, I say go for it. All right, we've got a quick question from Boyd in Iowa, who lives in an old house with a plumbing system that seems to have a mind of its own. Uh, anything upstairs doesn't seem to work when somebody's using the water in a lower floor. Ah, I bet you have old steel pipes. They probably suffer from internal rusting. And because of that, you're not getting the flow Ooh, upstairs. Ooh, like a clogged artery? Exactly. You're not getting the flow upstairs. So you could have a big plumbing replacement project on your hands there, Boyd. All right. I hope that helps, Boyd. I hope it's not a huge project for you. You've been listening to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Thank you so much to the entire team at This Old House for welcoming us to this final day of filming in this beautiful Brooklyn brownstone. It's been a lot of fun, huh, Leslie? It really has, and we've truly had a great experience of meeting this fantastic team, and we've learned a lot, I have to say. And you can learn some, too, if you head on over to their website at thisoldhouse.com where you can identify the local listings to watch this old house in your neighborhood. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Helping you build big dreams.